Please join me for a word of prayer. God, take my words and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our will and set them on fire for love of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Christ the King. We'll start with a sermon illustration. Scotch tape is not a great adhesive. Uh, it's great for, uh, great for uh, wrapping presents at Christmas time, but if you want to bind two objects together, uh, Scotch tape is just not going to do it for you. So if I wanted to bind these two pieces of wood, Scotch tape would, would last uh, not, very, not a very long time at all. In order to bind two objects together, you need something like wood glue, and that's what this is. Uh, wood glue is my understanding, wood glue makes a bond that is more permanent even than the wood itself. In other words, when this glue, note I'm using just a little bit, when the glue dries, the, uh, the bond between the two pieces of wood will be stronger than the wood itself. Try to tear it apart and you'll end up tearing the wood apart as well. The wood, let me pass up to Peter if you don't mind, thank you. That's other duties assigned by a rector. He did not see that one coming. Uh, the, the wood actually, see, or the glue actually seeps into the pores. And so when the wood, the glue evaporates, it's as, almost as if two, the two blocks of wood had become enmeshed. It's going to uh, bond fairly quickly, too, by the end of my sermon, and, which is usually a fairly, you know, two hours later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It'll bond fairly quickly, about 15 minutes or so. These two will, it'll take 24 hours for it to set permanently, but the, the bond will be set within a few minutes. And I bring this up because I want us to think about the surprising impact of faith. Most of us do not give enough credit to faith. Uh, you know, if you're here, then you probably are aware that faith is an important thing, and faith in Christ is something that we, we, we believe in, is a good thing to, to aspire to. And further, we know that there are certain things we do to express our faith. Uh, you know, we believe in our heart. That's a good thing to do. We confess with our lips. We'll do a little bit of a confession in service this Sunday. We'll confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Many of you have been baptized. These are all outward expressions of faith, and those are good things. Many of you have done those those things. And if, but if you were to ask the question, what, what happened through those things, most of us would say, well, I don't know. I got wet at baptism. What happened? What, what is the effect of faith? And most of us just do not give enough thought to the radical impact of faith in Christ. And that is what we're going to think about this morning. I'm going to make two points. I'm going to think about the radical impact that comes through faith in Christ and then some equally radical implications of faith. And this is a big topic within the New Testament. It seems like the Bible is always reminding you and me of what has happened. Not only what Jesus did, but who you and I are through faith in him. And the majority of the New Testament is reminding us of who we are and how we should live in light of who we are. So with that, let's turn to our passage. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. What I want us to note in our passage is the use of that word with. You have been raised with Christ. It's implied for you have died with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. You know, the word Christian is almost unknown in the New Testament. The most common way the Bible refers to you is with these sort of uh, location-based pronouns. So Christians are those who are in Christ, or Christians are those who are, have been united with Christ. 
Christ. Uh, that is the most common way that the Bible tell, talks about you and me. We are those who are in Christ, or to the point of this passage, uh, we are with Christ. To the point of this sermon illustration, when the Bible thinks about our faith, it thinks of us as being wed to Christ. In the same way, these two pieces of wood are wed. We are not scotched taped to Christ. We are wed to him. And with that, I want to look at this passage with a little bit more uh, specificity. Let's just look. If you have been raised, that should be a since. Since you have been raised with Christ, you have been raised with Christ. Verse 3, for you have died. The implication, you have died with Christ. Your life is hidden with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Three times. Let's think about those three statements. You have died with Christ. You are risen with Christ. You will appear with Christ in glory when he appears. First thing I want us to note, I want us to note the lack of poetic language, the lack of metaphor. Now, the Bible uses metaphors all the time. This is just not one of them. When the Bible says that you and I have died with Christ, what does it mean? It means exactly what it says. It means that in some ways that you and I cannot quite figure out there was a part of you, what the Bible would call the old man or the old woman, the old nature that is, uh, stands in rebellion to God. That person, that man, that woman, that child has died. And this is what the passage means when it says you have died with Christ. And this is something that is repeated throughout the Bible from Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. The prophet said, the apostle says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, I no longer live. From the book of Romans, we have been united with Christ in his death. So, on to our second point. When the Bible says we are raised with Christ, what does that mean? That is not figurative language. That's not a metaphor. What the Bible means is that in some way that you and I cannot quite grasp, you and I have a dual existence. You are here physically, absolutely, but you are also there spiritually. You have been raised with Christ and you are seated with him. And this is the common teaching of the Bible. So again, in the book of Ephesians, uh, the, the Bible, the, 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 excuse me, in the book of Ephesians, the same thing is stated. God has raised us up with Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly places. We are with Christ. How? We can't quite grasp it, but that's what it means when it says you are seated with Christ. Third, you will appear with him in glory when he appears. What does that mean? That means exactly what it says. And in some ways that you and I can only imagine when Christ appears in glory, you and I will appear in glory with him. And this is the common teaching of the New Testament from 1 Corinthians. I tell you a mystery. We shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. <clears throat> Excuse me. In a twinkling of an eye. At that last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. We shall be glorified. So when the Bible says you died with Christ. You are raised with Christ. You will appear with Christ in glory. This is not metaphor. This is plain meat and potatoes English, and this is repeated throughout the Bible. 
Further, note the comprehensiveness of our unity with Christ. Your past, you have died, that's a past tense verb. You are risen with Christ, that is a present tense verb. You will appear with Christ in future. There is not one moment of your life that is not bound in some way to the life of Christ. Third, lack, note the lack of subjectivity. This passage does not say you will feel as if you're risen with Christ. There are some days after a few cups of coffee wherein I feel resurrected. There are most days I don't. There are some days when I feel like the old man has been thoroughly crucified. For most days, that old man is alive and well. This is not a comment on your subjective experience. It is simply telling you what is true, the phenomenal impact of faith in Christ. You are not, see, most of us think about these Baptism, a confession, believe. We think as if we've been scotch taped to Jesus. Maybe a little bit of him will rub off on us. Not the case. Have you been baptized? Have you trusted in your heart? Have you made the good confession? Well, friends, something remarkable has happened to you. You have been wed, united, bonded with the Lord. And that is the remarkable impact and the clear teaching of the New Testament of the impact of our faith in him. Christ died, we'll say in our service. Christ is risen, Christ will come again. You died, you are risen, you will come again in glory. It seems to me, we move from the first point, the impact of faith, to the implications of faith. And it seems to me a large, portion of the New Testament is dedicated to reminding you and me of who we are through virtue of your baptismal faith. The majority of the ethical teaching of the New Testament, the majority of how we should live is all based upon who you are, crucified with Christ, where you will be, where you are, risen with him, what you will one day be, glorified with him. Martin Luther would often tell his followers this, remember your baptism. In times of doubt, in times of fear, in times of despair, remember you are a baptized child of God. So we move on from the astounding impact of a little faith. You see how much glue I put on? Not much. Matter of fact, you put too much glue on, you start squirting out the sides. How much faith do you need? You just need a little faith in a great God. So we move on to the surprising impact of a little faith. A few words, Jesus is Lord, a little water, to the surprise, to the important implications that come from living, knowing who we are through our baptism. The first is holiness. So the first implication is holiness. Take a look at our passage. You can see this hinted at. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. One of the main motivations for our ethical life is to remember where you are, where we are. This passage goes on to say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness. Why? Why do you put these things to death? Because they are simply out of place with the place you are. Where are you? 
You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And these things, these list of vices that you find here and throughout the Bible, they have no place with where you are. One implication of the surprising impact of a little faith, you are seated with Christ and therefore holy. A second impact, freedom. This is the, the subject of the first few chapters of the book of Colossians. In the early chapters of this little letter we read, I summarize here, since you have died to Christ, why do you submit yourself to silly rules? Why do you let others pass judgment on you? I'm summarizing, that's not, it doesn't say silly rules, but that's exactly what this church in Colossia is following. They're following silly rules, silly man-made rules. Why? Because here's why. They are just like you and me, and they need someone to tell them, you're doing great. You are good enough, you are holy enough, you, have, you are enough. Now, we don't look to our religious accolades to prove that we are enough, but you better believe that each one of us still hungers to hear from others, from even ourselves, you are, you're enough. You've made it. You're sensitive enough. You're politically correct enough. You're whatever enough. You fit. And what the book of Colossians says is those who have died in Christ are simply done with that. The person who has died with Christ is free. We are free from having to prove ourselves. We're free, to use a biblical word, we're free from having to justify ourselves. Why? Because you already have been. Christ's death was a sin-bearing death. He died on our behalf. So this from Colossians, God canceled the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. God nailed these things to the cross. Therefore, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. You are free. You are fully justified. Freedom, one implication, another implication. All right, what have I said? By faith we are raised with him and we can be holy. By faith in Christ, we died with him and we can be free. To round out the, the sermon notes, uh, we could add a third implication. By faith in Christ, we will rise with him in glory or we will come again in glory with him and therefore you can be happy. One of my favorite poems is from Reinhold Niebuhr. He wrote the Serenity, or the Serenity Prayer, better known for its first stanza. God grant me the grace, the wisdom. I like the better half, the second half better. And in the second half of this prayer, Reinhold Niebuhr says this, help me to take this sinful world, to which we could add, help me to take my sinful self, my sinful spouse, my sinful children, my unsatisfying work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Help me to take it as it is, not as I would have it be trusting that I will be supremely happy in the age to come and reasonably happy now. You see, the Christian hope for happiness, the Christian hope for glory is always the hope of the age to come. We don't put all our eggs in the basket of this life. We know that the glory is out there when he appears. And because we know true happiness is out there, you and I can be reasonably happy here and now. These are three implications of remembering your baptism. You are with Christ and you can be holy. You have been crucified with Christ. You are now free. You will one day rise with Christ in glory and that means you can be happy with this broken world as it is until you wait for that time.
Let me return to my two pieces of, of wood. Let's see if my science experiment worked. What do you think? I'm kind of curious. This did not go actually through a test run. You guys, the test run. The, the, the 11 o'clock service will have some uh, assurance. Look at that. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, someone's putting a clock on me. Wasn't very long, and these are fully wed together. Just a little faith in a great God is all you need. This is the power of faith that you and I are made one with him. I know some of us have placed our faith in Christ a long time ago. Some of you are baptized. Some of you have made that good confession good. Remember, remember what is true of you through a little water, through a few words. Some of you may have never taken a step of faith towards Christ. Well, that step can start today. Turn towards him in faith and trust. Believe in your heart. Confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. And these are the little steps, a little faith. The impact of those little steps is great. In his death you die. You can be free. You no longer need to justify yourself. In his resurrection you rise. You can be holy now. And in, in, in his return in glory, you will appear with him in glory. And that means you can be happy now.